Hey besties, welcome back to the Stay Safe Besties podcast. I'm your host and internet bestie, Axiom Skylark, and this is our weekly conversation where we talk about dating, interpersonal relationships, mental health, and life in general. Grab a cup of tea, coffee, or water, and let's catch up. For episode two, I know we're coming off the edge of Valentine's Day aka Singles Awareness Day, and our first episode was about being very single. I thought it was appropriate to kind of get into some of the reasons why I decided to move down this path and how I kind of managed through the ups and downs of those things and life in general. Of course, disclaimer, heartbreaks and disappointments aren't the end determining factors that one might choose to intentionally be single for an extended period of time, but I think it'd be senseless for me to deny that these things have been a factor. And whether you're dealing with a heartbreak or just some of life's hard breaks, they're a part of life, regardless if you're partnered or not, and it deserves some attention. So let's talk about it. Take a moment to consider this. When was the first time you felt disappointed, like in your whole life? Do you even remember how that felt? Because there have been moments for me as a parent seeing disappointment for the first time on my kid's face where I've really had to face how deeply painful that feeling actually is to us as humans. And I'm like, huh, I don't remember it feeling that bad. Like the simple or small things not working out how I wanted them to. And it got me thinking. Disappointment and to the more extreme heartbreak are things that will inevitably occur in our lives but they don't seem like things that we're naturally or inherently meant to experience as regularly or as often as we do. We just maybe achieve higher pain tolerances as we grow older. And it is pain. While some recent studies have shown that physical and emotional pain aren't identical, similar regions and some overlapping neural pathways in our brains light up when either of these responses are activated by external factors in our lives. Well, it seems as though our society as a whole is opening up to the idea of talking about expressing and validating our feelings, especially the ones centered around pain that may exacerbate issues surrounding mental health. There's a lot of discourse yet that invalidates the very real impact of emotional pain. But you can't really girl boss your way out of disappointment and heartbreak, much as you might want to. And if you think you can, well, there's a bevy of other issues we won't get into on this episode associated with being able to do that, actually. But I digress. As we acknowledge the distress that emotional pain can cause us, you might not recall the first time you were ever disappointed, but maybe you can at least recall your first real memory of it. For me, it was the first time I can remember where I really missed someone, or some people, rather, and a place. My family and I had gone to Winnipeg, and maybe not for the first time, but it was the first time that we met my friends, Noi and Daniel's family. I couldn't have been older than 10 at the time, because there were a couple of years to come yet where our family visited theirs pretty frequently before my parents got divorced. It was just the first time that we were leaving their place. I felt this really hollow pit in my stomach, and I didn't understand it, but it stayed with me. And to this day, I still recall just watching the city streets turning into highways and being deeply sad, and not entirely sure what was at the root of that feeling. All I knew was the only thing that would have made me feel better was if our car turned around and went back to their house. It wasn't like we wouldn't ever see them again. We'd see them again many times. 
I'm still friends with them to this day because they are like extended siblings to me. But object permanence is a lot tougher as a kid than it is as an adult. Realistically, there are a number of adults who struggle with object permanence as well. So sidebar, we'll get into romantic heartbreak and disappointment. Relationally speaking, though, I just wanted to start somewhere maybe not as complex and get everyone out of the hardwired state of thinking that it's always got to be a romantic thing. I know the podcast is semi-centered around dating and relationships because that's a natural point of conversation we can't help but come to. But I'm also going to keep reiterating to you guys that there's a lot more to life despite the fact. Anyway, I wasn't good at managing my disappointment back then. Quite honestly, I'm not really sure if I'm good at it now. My friend Jamie and I were talking the other day, and we came to a sort of natural conclusion that maybe I've actually just gotten really good at intellectualizing my feelings and masking the bad ones. I am working on it, but talking through our feelings is certainly a way to work through them as well. I guess the thing that hurt you or disappoint you as you get older These things tend to seem a little more serious than what hurts you as a kid. Not to discount the degree to which kids feel disappointed and what they feel hurt or sad about. I just think we as adults have a tendency to laugh some of these things off. But when it's your first time experiencing a new pain or even discomfort, it's hard to identify, let alone know how to react to it. So it's understandable, but that pain tolerance desensitizes us. And at least for me... It takes a lot for disappointment to really bother me. As an adult, it takes levels of catastrophe for me to feel heartbroken. I'm not sure when everyone usually encounters their first quote-unquote serious heartbreak or how serious everyone's first memorable heartbreak is. It could be as simple as that first boyfriend or girlfriend at the end of a summer in high school deciding that they'd rather date Bobby or Susie instead of you once the new school year starts. It could be discovering that the boy or girl that you started to really like who's really nice to you, does in fact only want to be your friend. Or, you could be like me, spending the first four years of your young adult life in an on-again, off-again relationship with a boy named Marco. That your friends all decide they hate by the end of it, and one day he moves on. He quite honestly does the right thing for his new relationship and cuts you off. But the pain of it feels like you're dying. Because at the time, you swear you don't believe in soulmates, but if you did, he was yours. And it's unfathomable to you that somehow you could both still be breathing and alive, but no longer connected. So maybe you are dying. And even if you aren't literally dying, you'd rather rip your heart out instead of feeling the pain that it's causing you. But you're in college and you're a drinking age, so you choose annihilation by spirit with your friends instead. Yet... When you wake up from your drunken stupor the next day, throwing up in your shower, fully clothed as cold water pours over you and you have no idea how you even got back home, you still remember how you felt. Everything is a blur or black, except for that pain. It still hurts, even if it feels a little numb from the throbbing in your head. And you know that you've really done it this time. Your heart is truly broken, and you might never feel pain like that again in your lifetime. I know that sounds really dramatic. It was, though. That was a really traumatic event. Like a child experiencing pain or disappointment for the first time. 
it, it cut me deeper than I knew was possible. At 23 years old, I also had no idea how to manage that pain in the next days, weeks, and months that followed. I was a mess and super messy. Many mistakes were made in my attempts to recover, distract from the pain, and find some semblance of normalcy in life again. At 32, I look back at that time and recognize the metaphorical scar that left on my heart. To this day, I've yet to suffer another heartbreak from a romantic relationship that has hurt me so profoundly, which says a lot considering I've had more heartbreaks after the fact and even a divorce. It could be argued that it's because I've never loved anyone in that way or as much after the fact. So of course, nothing else could hurt me as much. It could even be argued that the pain from the end of that relationship prevented me from having the capacity to love someone that much again. But to that point, I'd say I had at least learned that in your life, you will love different people, not only to different degrees, but in entirely different ways. By rational standards, I'm still pretty young, so knock on wood, there are likely more heartbreaks to come. So we don't know if that's the worst that I'll ever experience in my life. Yet, I know that pain like that is rare. Heartbreak that feels like you're dying, roaming the earth like a zombie trying to recalibrate yourself to living outside of grief mode, is rare. As I've gotten older, I've been able to conceptualize that the reason it hurt so much was because it was truly a beautiful and rare kind of love. The great tragedy of life is that we rarely understand the magnitude of the thing that we're in while we're in it. And if you ever do gain the capacity to look back, reflect, and see those moments with objectivity and wisdom, you're so far past the point it becomes unclear whether or not it matters that you see it now. These days, when faced with moments of disappointment, grief, or heartache, I try to stay in that moment as long as required. And that often is exceptionally circumstantial. One of my favorite authors, John Green, wrote in his book, The Fault in Our Stars, pain demands to be felt. And that's undeniable. So you have to give yourself room for that feeling. As tough as it might be, as much as you may want to run from or escape it in any way possible, I swear it won't actually kill you. Probably. Sorry, I just can't make too many absolute statements here because there's a number of really stubborn people out there that might want to prove the point against me. But past that point, I learned to take the next moment for gratitude. When it comes to the pain of heartbreak in love and life, that to me often speaks to the magnitude of what exists in the opposite direction. Sometimes it's the magnitude of the hope you had for that thing which has its own sense of beauty too. It's just so human to hope. And that ability connects us all. And I'd like to think, the greater capacity that you have to hope, the more likely you are to actively pursue life and happiness. So my hope in sharing that thought is that it'll inspire someone not to lose their capacity to hope in the face of heartbreak. I know in episode one, I talked about how we should approach relationships with pragmatism for healthier outcomes. But as it pertains to heartbreak in life, here, optimism is a necessary component. Validate your feelings where you are and follow that up by seeing your situation from multiple perspectives and dimensions. 
As people themselves rarely exist in their lives at one dimension alone at any given point or intersection of where they're at. But seeing the whole picture in all its dimensions is really helpful to processing and how we move forward. Because we do need to move forward. The world doesn't stop for our grief, unfortunately. And if you didn't know it already, trying to stand still for too long against the world's current is a really tough and miserable existence. It's been a decade since I experienced the worst romantic heartbreak of my life. And to this day, I still remember the pain more vividly than the pain of childbirth without medication. And just like women continue to have babies after their first experience with that pain and discomfort, I had a moment of reconciliation with the person directly connected to that life-altering heartbreak. After my divorce, Marco and I reconnected. And though it had been nearly a decade, and we'd both changed significantly, the feeling that he was the only person who'd ever truly known and understood me endured. But I had changed a little too much, especially in my realms of processing and thinking. The pragmatism that I approach relationships with now helped me understand that some of the dynamics that caused relationship-ending conflict between us those many years ago, despite whatever love and understanding existed, had also endured throughout the years. So... I think I may have broken my own heart this time and chose to say goodbye to Marco again. But this heartbreak felt different. And I processed it differently. We'll talk about love and those dynamics later. But just a small note on it here. A good friend of mine once told me, if you truly love someone, it doesn't go away. But it transforms. Anyway, that's what I determined I hold for Marco now. In a place where I had once felt a canyon of pain from his absence in my life. The heartbreak transformed into something different, too. Sometimes I still miss him. But there are people in your life that you just have to deal with missing here and there from time to time. There's still a lot of love there. It just exists in a different way than it did before. I want him to be happy and to have a lot of hope for him in his own life. But I didn't want to stand still, trying to hold on to something that wasn't really meant to work even if it hurt a lot to let it go. Not all heartbreaks and disappointments are things that you can walk away from. But if you get to a point where you can make that discernment, I'm apt to advising going toward that path, to go without. That's another point of grace that one can find gratitude in. Some heartbreaks you do have to deal with in such a way that it really is about moving forward with the current of life and with that pain in hand. But as we speak on grace... Try to have some for yourself in the meantime as you process it. And with that, friends, I think it's time to conclude our conversation. I hope you found something meaningful in this episode, and we'll see you again next week. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can visit the merch shop through the link on staysafebesties.com. Of course, streaming, sharing, and rating the podcast helps as well. Don't forget to follow me, Axiom Skylark, on Instagram and TikTok. You can also stream all of my music on all media platforms. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, besties.